2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Uh let's welcome in our good friend James Ham here. You're listening to D and KC on KIFM West Sacramento, 98.5, FM Carrix, QHD2 Sacramento, ESPN 1320, always live on the free Odyssey app, live on 1320 TV as well, Twitch, YouTube, and the app formerly known as Twitters. We welcome in James Ham of the Insiders, brought to you by Jiffy Lube, 10 AM to 12 PM here on ESPN 1320. Hammer five, six straight for the Sacramento Kings. They look to make it seven uh, tonight. Let's start with the injuries. Their depth is going to be tested tonight. We know Trey Lyles isn't active. We know Alex Lynn is out six to eight weeks. Kevin Herter is questionable for tonight. Now Keon Ellis is out. Um, I'll ask you this question that that Jesse threw at us earlier. Do you think Davion, one of your favorites, You think Davion has an opportunity to win his job back?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, opportunity knocks in the NBA, and you got to be ready when it does. And so, I think Davion will have every opportunity here to at least play. Um, You know, like if Keon, well, Keon Ellis is not playing, Sasha Vizenko is also questionable for tonight's game with a thumb issue. Um, so yeah, they're a little lean, but, uh, Mike Brown has been going to a really tight bench anyways. And, uh, yeah, if Herter can't go, you know, we'll see Chris Duarte again. Uh, and then those backup point guard minutes are going to be up for grabs. So whether it's Colby Jones or whether it's, uh, whether it's Davion Mitchell, um, whoever wants to go out there and do the job the right way, play the right way, uh, look like they belong in the system. Is going to get an opportunity, and uh, I fully expect Davion to get an opportunity get a chance here. and And if he plays really well, uh, I could easily see him back in the rotation. Hmm. Hmm.
3: We question whether that was possible because Keon Ellis was still going to be six five when his ankle heals.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think Keon's more like six three. Like they're he's not a huge dude. Um, you know, they might even list him at six four, but that would be counting like that. That hair on top um I, I don't think he's he's 6-4 um but colby jones is a good 6-4 and he's a guy that you could see like eventually being um in that position whether it's now whether it's you know three months from now he's the latest um, king
3: to own the g-league we haven't really talked yeah. about that but he's
0: he's been incredible in the at the g-league yeah. level yeah. yeah yeah that eight uh eight steel game um what was it like 16 points like nine assists, six uh, six rebounds, and eight steals. Then he had a thirty-one point game. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing really, really well, and you know I, I think that for him uh, it's about like getting comfortable as quickly as possible, and kind of just doing what Keon Ellis did: bring energy, play multiple uh, multiple positions, uh, play hard the whole time. You know, play within the offense and defensive sets. Don't freelance. Don't try to do anything crazy. And he has every opportunity to eventually earn some minutes on this team, too. Uh, Mike Brown is an equal opportunity coach. You know, if you want to play hard, you want to show him that you've got something uh, to offer to the team in practice or at the G League level or. It wow,
3: it's early. official. 305. It wow. And shout out to the chatty house
4: because they were
3: on it. They were on it early. Quick. They was that like, is,
4: yo, what's happening today? That
3: is an official ham freeze <laughs> at 305 on a Monday. for James. That's
4: a first round knockout. He,
3: he's, he's under the weather. He's not going to find this funny at all. He has no idea that we're laughing at this. He's probably like, Furious! He's trying to restart something. Is he's just not a happy individual? And you know the rules. We've got to leave. We've got to leave the 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 frozen screen on the face. But yeah, just just ham battling through the elements. Got a game coming up at five o'clock. Our guy is just just really toughing it out here.
4: Hey, I got a question about Davion.
3: Can we? I I want to see if we can get dual. We're oh, we lost one of them. I thought I I thought we might get dual. He said we're not having any of this crap. A live James. Yeah, Hammers that was a quick one. Us.
0: Yeah, three oh five. Three oh five hammer. That's all right. Three oh five. I I switched to the I switched to the phone after that one. There's yeah. Questions?
3: Will we're not, we're not playing ha- that well,
0: game today?
3: Will, will this ham thaw out by Thanksgiving? <laughs> well, it was. It was. It was tough. That's right. Um, I
4: had I had a Davion question though, and I I'm guilty yeah. of it sometimes as well. Uh, I think a lot of people when they talk about this situation are, are guilty of it. Is why do we keep matching him up with shooting guards. Like when we talk about he's too short, like why don't we ever talk about him guarding his position? Which like you look at the Kyrie Irving situation last night. That's who he'd be guarding or he should be guarding. And he can match up and stop those guys. Like we think about the Clay Thompson situation. I'm I'm not even sure he was guarding Clay on that possession. I thought he was guarding Draymond for a lot of the time. And it got Helter Skelter and he ended up on Clay and Clay was able to shoot over the top of him. But you know, we when we talk about like his size, we always talk about him guarding guarding two guards and threes. Like we never talk about him being matched up with point guards.
0: Well, because a modern NBA, rarely are you you playing man on defense. You know, it's a switch it's a switching league now. And uh every other player on this team does switch. And I would even say when he's playing alongside Malik Monk, like Malik is the engine. You know, he is he's the backup engine Mm -hmm. to De'Aaron Fox. And that means that Davion has to take the tough guard. He's the defensive player, whether it's, you know, a six foot five guy, a six foot tall guy, whatever it is, he's got to take the toughest cover because Monk is out there running the offense and expending all of his energy on the other end. So uh, it's not the, you know, the easiest thing for Davion, but, that's where it comes in when I've talked about like he's just not a multi-positional player, and that's that's really tough in the modern NBA. You know, six-foot-tall guards—it's tough being a six-foot-tall guard. So you got to be able to to play as many positions as possible. You got to defend multiple—you know—different types of people. And uh, you might be right about the the Clay Thompson thing, but again, that's what—that's uh, sort of my point my point is that you're going to get switched on to somebody and that's just the the way the the league works then you know i was just going to say
4: to that point nobody attacks davion like to to uh, what like what you're saying is Ma- davion is guarding let's just say paul george and they look at it like oh hey we got davion little dude on paul george get out the way he's too small they always if davion's guarding paul george They go find who Malik is guarding instead of screen and roll so they can get Malik on Paul George. Like, nobody attacks Davion Mitchell, height or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying there. They do shoot over the top of Davion. But, um, you know, like, that's kind of the league. You know, like, you're going to get switched on to somebody. And while Davion is a great man on defender, like, the league isn't a man on defending league as much as it is a, a team defending league. And I would make the argument that Davion, while an incredible on-ball defender, is not a very good uh, off-ball defender. He really does struggle to chase. He struggles to, uh, you know, when the ball is somewhere else, to keep his attention span on the player he's guarding. He's got beat uh, on backdoor cuts plenty of times in his career. And that's not to say that, you know, other players don't do as well. But he's always been an excellent on-ball player, whether it's, uh, on the offensive end, when he has the ball in his hands, or on the defensive end, when you know the ball is in front of him, mm-hmm. and that's why I've always compared him a little bit in that way to Tyreek Evans. At, you know, Evans could defend anybody that was right in front of him, but as soon as the ball started, you know, bouncing around the on the offensive end for the for his opponent, like he would get lost in the shuffle, mm-hmm. and that's where I think Davion. Again, I think he fights. I think he. He tries his best, but you know it's it's not easy. You know we've seen we've seen Mike Brown put Davion Mitchell on Luka Doncic, who's six seven, mm-hmm. like that's nearly impossible for him to to stop. And you put him on there on him because number one, you need to eat some minutes, but also you need your other players that are scoring and being that offensive push to have a break and not have to play defense and offense for you know thirty three minutes or thirty six minutes.
3: Hammer, we saw Chris Duarte play 32 minutes last night in the absence of Kevin Herter. And it was, it, for me, I thought it was a really uh, incredible showing from him. What did you uh, think of Duarte's minutes and what could that mean for him moving forward?
0: Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I don't know if I brought it up with you guys on on your show here or if I brought it up on the Insiders. But I, I said um, last week, hey, I would like to see, you know, if if it keeps going this way, send Duarte to the G League for, for two games, for three games. Let him get out there and run. That's what his problem is. You can tell he just hasn't been on the court enough in the last year because of injury, and he looks like a player who the game is just going too fast for him. And I thought that if you could get him at the G League level, put him in the game, let him play 30, 35 minutes, a couple of games in a row, and then bring him back up, Almost like hit a hard reset button on him, mm-hmm. that he would probably be just fine. Like what we were seeing, you know, coming into last night's game, he was averaging seven point nine uh, personal fouls per thirty six minutes. Like that means he can't stay on the court. Not only is he is he getting his own personal fouls, but he's also getting team fouls and getting you into penalty all the time. Mm-hmm. And to see him go out there and play, you know, 33, 34 minutes. Bring something on the offensive end, hit his shots, move without the ball, uh, you know, and then on the defensive end to really give you physicality and to play without fouling. I think, what did he have? Three fouls in in 33 minutes. Like that was a huge, huge, like day for for Chris Duarte. And the whole time I've been looking at him as a player who needed that, Mm. he needed a day where he just got to be the guy. Mm. And he didn't have to look over his shoulder or anything else. Just go out there. Don't try to make some sort of strange impact. Just go out there and play hard. And sure enough, you get him out there for an extended period of time. And I thought he was excellent. I, you know, he he gave you everything you needed, the eight rebounds, four assists, like a couple of steals. Everything he did, I thought was was, you know, big thumbs up. And and it's good to see because he's a player that throughout the throughout an eighty-two game season. Man, you're gonna need Chris Duarte. He's a good defender. He there's a lot to like about what he brings to the table. Plus, he's young-ish, you know, he's like 26, but only a third year player. You have him you have him under contract and a really bargain basement deal for next year, like 6.5 million. Like this is a player that you you should be able to put in your system and develop and have him be like one of the cogs in the wheel. Um, but uh, sometimes it takes an opportunity like this. Just like you know, we've seen Davian get get these opportunities. It takes an opportunity, and he got it. He took, he made the most of it. And let's see if he can build on it. This is what you want. You want a starting place for him where he can start to string some things together that uh, might might make him more viable to you going forward.
4: I thought you you made a, a really good point um, when talking about Duarte earlier in the season about him. You know, needing to just get his legs under him. He, he didn't play much the year before. Uh, due to injury and in roster situations. So he's got to get his legs back in that way. And then he's going to a whole new team, you know, and a new system and a new way of playing basketball on the offensive end. And I know I was critical of his early season moments in the first couple of weeks or so. And you were like, hey, you know, it may take some time for him to get himself together. And that, you know, went into what you said about him going to the, to the G League. And after what we saw, not only uh, last night, I thought he played well on Friday as well. You know, we may be getting to the point where, no, he is starting to just feel comfortable with uh, his role on this team, the the style of play, and all this other stuff.
0: Yeah, the difficult thing for him, too, it's always going to be that he's on the bubble of the rotation, right? Mm-hmm. And so whatever minutes he's going to get, it's a little bit like Davion. Like, you can't just sit there and, and worry about how many minutes you're going to get. You got to get out there and play. Mm-hmm. And, and play smart. Don't go out there and, you know, like – I, I told Kyle today is like, he's, he's out there like Kung Fu fighting. You're like, what are you doing, man? Like we have, uh, JaVale has minutes like this too, where you're just shaking your head. Like that wasn't part of any plan that anyone wrote up on any board anywhere, not even once. And so when you're watching Chris do some of these things, you're like, okay, this is just like him trying too hard. And he needs to relax. He needs to have an opportunity to settle in. And you know, you're you're right. Getting to know your teammates. Remember, like teams bond on road trips. Kings have played a bunch of games on the road already this season, but they're in the middle of a six-game road trip. They're halfway through. These are the moments where you start to see what bonding on the road looks like. Where all of a sudden someone might feel a little bit more part of the team, uh, a little bit more part of you know what's happening. He gets to. He gets the crown as the defensive player of the game. You know, those are big moments for a player who's trying to fit in and trying to find his his place within a new group. And so again, I don't there's no negative to take away from the Chris Duarte situation this in uh in Sunday's game. And you you just hope that like look, build on it, stay healthy, keep getting stronger, keep getting better. Um, and now you kind of you have a game film you can go back and watch and say, that's the player I need to be when I step on the court for the Sacramento Kings.
3: And James, there's no negative to take away from the Western conference player of the week, the Aaron Fox. He is playing at an extraordinary level uh, for Sacramento right now. And he just, he seems to get better. He had 43 on Friday, you know, 30 points last night in a game in which he was able to sit uh, virtually the entire fourth quarter What have you seen from De'Aaron in the now six, seven games that he's played that clearly show us, Hey, this is different. Like he, 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 he's, he's playing on a different level than everyone else right now.
0: Yeah. I I think, you know, we can point to the defensive end where I think he's been incredible. I think he's averaging 1.8 steals per game and he's super active. Um, He's picking guys pockets, but He's also out there getting deflections, putting pressure on the the ball handler. Um, These are things that we're seeing because, like, look at all the deflections the rest of the team is getting. Like, they are starting to sort of, uh, I don't know, like build off of what he's doing on the defensive end as well. Um, He's putting pressure. It's making, you know, passes that would normally be easy passes a lot more difficult. His teammates are, you know, getting deflections all over the place. Like, he is the the snake now on both ends of the court, and I think that's big. The other thing I think he's doing is he's not waiting until the fourth quarter. And I think, you know, last year he played so well in the fourth quarter, but a lot of times it it was out of necessity, right? Like, this team wasn't good enough. They are good enough to win games. They weren't good enough to put teams away. And so we had all of these games where the Kings are in these epic battles in the fourth quarter. Well, you were hoping that there would come a point where, you know, you don't need that. And so by him starting out, like go back to the game yesterday, dropping 13 points in the first quarter, like he set the standard for what was going to be the rest of the game. Now, he did take a break there in the second and the early part of the third, and then he took over and got up to 30 points really quickly. So I, I like that he's distributing his points more evenly and that the Kings don't need him to be fourth quarter Fox. Because in most games already, they're actually way up on teams in the fourth quarter. They have comfortable leads where he doesn't have to have that mentality that he's going to take over and be the only guy there. And then the other thing is he's shooting 41.7% from three on 8.3 attempts per game. Like, I never thought we'd get to this point. And I don't know, you know, if he's going to be a 42% shooter for the rest of the season or if he's going to be more like around the 37, 38. But either way, if that's who he's going to be, um, this is one of the best players in basketball. That's you know, it. if he can add Talk that three it, point shot, yeah. If he can add that three point shot, he's there's almost no way to defend him. Mm. And teams are, you know, they're trying to pack the paint to slow him down. Okay, I'll just go ahead and lace a bunch of three pointers over the top here. Mm. And it's not just that he's that he's hitting forty one point seven; it's that he's taking the eight point three or eight point six, whatever it is like you need him to take that type of volume in order to gain that type of respect. Mm-hmm. And then we'll start to see him uh you know even pull more things out of his bag that mm-hmm. we haven't we haven't even seen the mid-range yet. He hasn't last year he lived in the mid-range. We haven't seen it hardly at all mm-hmm. because he doesn't need it. He's like walking to the basket. That basket he had last night where he contorted his body around like three guys and laid it up. Mm-hmm. Just stunning. Just like everything he's doing right now is really impressive. And he's eventually going to get these ridiculous like bow down to Luca, uh, uh, calls from the officials that, that some of the other stars get. Like I, I don't get the Luka Doncic, you know, everything he does is flopping and why he complains to the officials the whole game. Fox is over there doing his business and, and owning your team. And you're sitting there flopping and drawing ridiculous fouls, and then laughing with your teammates that you, the guy didn't even touch you, and, and all these things. Like, it it just it gets so old. But eventually, Fox needs to be at the free throw line eight to ten times a game, because he's that good. And when he does that, then he'll be able to maintain that thirty plus points per game. It's gonna be tough just being a shooter and a scorer if he can get to the free throw line all those times as well it'll take that little bit of stress off his game and, and, and help him ease into 30 points every game.
3: You know how much that means coming from James? <laughs> James don't buy into nothing. <laughs> and for him to talk about how great De'Aaron Fox is playing this year and how it puts him up there as one of the best players in the league, boy, that carries a lot more weight than we talked when we talk trash for four straight hours.
0: <laughs> straight hey, up. he's a top-five player right now. Um, you know, like he's playing that well, and people start – we started talking about who are the best point guards in the league. You start with Steph Curry, and then it's it's De'Aaron Fox, yep. and and that's even debatable because at this point, one guy can lead his team to victory, and the other one can't. He, one guy is has got a team to that that's marching along with him. Another guy's trying to drag his team with him. Um, but we're seeing the ascension of a player, which again. I didn't know that we would ever get to see this, this point with Fox. I thought the 25 point per game probably would be like a really, really high spot for him. Um, And he could probably get up to 28 points per game, but would you be a better team? Mm. And now we're looking at like 30, 32 two. You're like, okay, this could be sustainable. Like he, he's playing that well. He's just, you know, blowing the doors off people. Like he just can't stay in front of him. And then on top of that, it's just he's got that that little bit of edge to him that makes him great, and so now you see it, and and it's cool to watch the progress of a player, the progression from the time he's a nineteen year old kid until the time you know he'll be twenty six uh, early next month. Him and Sean uh, Cunningham share a birthday, I think it's like December twenty first or December twentieth, something like that. How do you not know um, Sean's birthday? <laughs> Well, it's easy because I just look up when De'Aaron's birthday is. (laughs) No, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not – I don't have to remember birthdays. You guys have to remember that. Me and my wife share the same birthday, so I don't have to worry about remembering birthdays at all. Yeah, and our oldest is a a week uh, off of ours. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, see, December 20th. There we go. Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Shaddy House. Uh, But, yeah, like we're getting to see a a player become a, a star and this is the second time I've got to see this in Sacramento. Because we watched uh DeMarcus Cousins become a star. Mm. But it's different because this one feels more sustainable and it feels more like it's a person that you can put your entire franchise behind and have faith that he's going to do the right things and he's going to he's trying to build something where someone else, you know, DeMarcus uh was always trying to, you know, it wasn't that he wasn't trying to build something it's that i don't think he knew how and he was you know trying to yell at his teammates until they got to that point and that's not usually the way to lead people and so just two different paths but it, it's really cool to watch somebody come into the league and get better and better and better and then all of a sudden you think that they've tapped out and then all of a sudden they're way better and you're like wow like to to watch someone become an nba superstar is pretty cool wow,
4: james the same thing with me i he's he's a lot better than I gave him credit for coming into the league. And I thought he was a franchise changer. I was like, this guy can change a franchise. He's really good. He's a he's a heart and soul type guy. He's 21, 22 points per game, seven, eight assists. Never in my wildest dreams did I think he could be a guy that could lead the league in scoring, averaging 30 plus uh, per game. And, you know, it, it feels like I don't know if he's going to average thirty a game, but it feels like this is this is real. This is where he's at. This is, this is how he plays basketball now. He's able to seamlessly get twenty five to thirty two points a game.
0: Yeah, I know the old adage is what a broken clock is is right twice a day. Um, Vlade Divac's made a lot of mistakes, but if we're we're going to look at like the process, he found one. Mm. And that's all you can say at the end of the day. The process the process, is to find a superstar. Mm-hmm. Wherever it is, you find him, and you bring him along, and you figure it out, and Vlade got this one right. Vladi, from the moment he draft him, drafted him, said this is the guy. Without any question, there was never, like from Vladi's point of view, I watched him the whole time, he kept saying it. This will be our guy, trust me. And he was right.
4: And real quick to that point, because we had a discussion earlier, James, about uh, Luca and Luca's an unbelievable talent, um, one of the most talented players we've ever seen in this league already. So it's not a shade to him. But maybe what Vladi was talking about a little bit was there's because it wasn't Luca or Fox in the same draft, but you had a decision to make. You're like, do we get Luca and we maybe lose Fox, or do we get Bagley and try and pair those two together? And maybe some of it was there's a certain um, – De'Aaron has certain intangibles that you want and that you need when you're trying to turn around a franchise like the Sacramento Kings. It's not just about the talent. It's leadership. It's not blinking Uh, when when the franchise is going through this drought or whatever, staying with it, not getting down. Maybe those are some of the things that Vladi saw in Fox that he was like, yeah, even for Luka, I can't – I can't turn away from this because that's what's going to be needed to turn this whole thing around.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the 2018 draft, like no one can say that Vladdy got it right because he didn't. Um, but I, honestly, if, if he would have drafted uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and he would have become the same player he is right now, that would have been a great fit next to Fox too. He just chose the the wrong guy. And you under, I, I can see why he did what he did. Um, they had no interest in Deandre Aiden at all, um, but like looking at the other group of players, uh, Trey Young would never have fit with uh, with De'Aaron Fox and Luca. I, I think he's right. I don't think it would have ever worked. Although we did see last night when Kyrie and and Luca are rolling together, like it's it's some pretty incredible stuff. Those are two of the greatest shot makers we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, again, Kyrie, there are a lot of things I don't like about him a lot, but to watch some of the things he can do that are positive, um, my goodness, man, that guy can flat out play. And, uh, but you can see where it just would take a a specific type of thing to work out for Fox and Luca. And that probably wouldn't have ever happened. Um, especially if, if you were just a hand that you would have handed the game over to Luca and Fox would have probably been lost in the process. James
3: playing hurt today. Uh, we'll get ready for Kings and Pelicans. We're thrilled that the Kings won six straight. They're going for number seven I tonight. Seven.
4: I want that TC number seven
3: going for seven match last year's win total. We'll talk about it, uh, with our insider from the insiders, James Ham with the Loma Casey return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320.
2: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage
3: match limited by state law. Sorry, James. I had to to interrupt James as he was singing the praises of his radio show there (laughs) during the commercial break. I like your fantasy guy. He's fun to listen to even for people who don't play fantasy football, which I very much do not.
0: Yeah. Faraz is just like, he's, he's like a prognosticator, like extraordinaire. The things he comes up with, you're just sitting there like in awe of what he's talking about. You know, for some people it might get like a little too dense, but when he starts talking about, you know, even like tonight, Rasheed rice, uh, rushy rice, um, like the Eagles are one of the they're like twenty-eighth in the league against slot wide receivers. So you should start Rice because he's just gonna dominate this whole game, even though they're outside wide receiver their outside defensive backs are great. Um, but yeah, I was uh he had snuck one in this this weekend, uh, on Friday. He said, Hey, for any of you guys out there who need a really, really deep, you know, wide receiver pool because of all the bye weeks and injuries and stuff, you might want to pick up uh Rondell Moore. Um because he's probably going to get he's probably going to do something this weekend. Mm. Boom, the first play of of uh red zone is Rondell Moore scoring a touchdown. And you're like, "What the world? Like how do you know this stuff?" Yeah, he's good. He's did, really good. Did you take it as
3: his advice? Did you get those points?
0: No, I already have eight wide receivers. He oh. he told me which of the eight to start okay. for sure, which of the four to start, but yeah.
4: In the meantime, I'm 7 and 4 in my fantasy league, I haven't paid attention to it not once.
3: <laughs> Skilled fantasy guy there, Kenny Caraway. Uh, when well you talk about having the right, the right wide receivers to start, we know who won't start ever, and that's Malik Monk. <laughs> in the midst of all this De'Aaron Fox top player in the league, Demonte Sabonis can't possibly be far behind him in that category, is the fact that Malik Monk has actually elevated his game from last year. Uh, he was a great playmaker last year. He seems to be an even better this better one this year. And he has, you know, he has anchored this team through uh, the different injuries that the second unit has had, that the starting unit has, has had. He continues to be the anchor for this squad, and his production might be a little bit underappreciated right now because of how all the guys in the starting lineup are playing
0: yeah um I think he's been absolutely tremendous you know we started the season with the Kings uh, um shooting like right around their their first or second and three point attempts but like like 27th in make and three point percentage they're slowly picking that up they're up to 19th they're shooting 35.3 percent as a team and a lot of it is monk mm-hmm. um who is shooting a career best 41.7 mm-hmm. and he's tied with Fox at 41.7. Um, for me, like the game against Dallas, like it got a little dicey there in the third quarter and the, the, you know, things were like kind of spinning out of control a little bit and Malik Monk came in in the third and just like, boom, 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 hit a bunch of threes in a row and ended the game. And it went from like a really close game to, Oh, this thing's over. Like it does. He just looks like he's worked so hard on his three point shot to be consistent. And when he's squared to the basket, it feels like every single time it's, it's going in. And the cool thing about him is he's one of the, you know, they, the Kings only have a couple of guys who can really create. And he's able to shoot the three creating off, you know, off the bounce. He can use a screen or just as a set shooter, but man, he's, he's providing so much for this team right now. He's always the energy guy. But uh, I even liked him getting the tech in this last game. Mm. You know, go ahead and talk a little bit. That's fine. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a fan of what he's doing on the court. He he just brings so much energy. And like, look, it, this team is is built the right way. Like Malik is one of their top, you know, probably three or four players. But the fact that he's their six man is just perfect. He's perfect for the role. I hope he embraces a role. I hope he wants to do it long term um, and doesn't get some dreamy eye thing about going to being a starting shooting guard somewhere what what he's doing right now he can make a lot of money doing it and he can do it for a long time and that's probably something that he should you know really really look long and hard at is staying in sacramento as a as a six-man extraordinaire because he's always going to get his minutes he's always going to get his shots and he knows he brings something special to this team
4: harrison we got good harrison barnes yesterday you know, I want to shout that out because he was active and he was somebody that you took notice of him being out there. 12 points, six assists, four rebounds. Um, six assists is impressive. Four rebounds, I'll take it. Obviously, I'll take the, the 12 points. But once again, when I watch him, it's a little bit beyond the stats for me personally. I just need to know you're out there. You know, the James Ham check in. Check in. Let me know you're playing tonight. And he's done that in the last few games. You know, he did that Wednesday night against the, the Lakers as well. And I think him checking in um, has kind of been maybe a little overlooked in the six-game winning streak.
0: Yeah, I, I think if you really look at the way that that game opened up last night, the the beginning of the game, you saw HB playing the Kevin Herter position. Not the – he wasn't running to the corner. He was running to the elbow. And he was part of the DHOs. He's part of the two-man game. And we got to see that, like, look, he can still do that stuff. He's just not getting the opportunity. And I thought it was a really smart move because what Mike did with that was he allowed Chris Duarte to go kind of get his feet comfortable in the game, kind of, you know, get warm in the game by playing in the corner and waiting for the corner three mm. and just kind of slow down a little bit and, and think about the game and, and get calm And they used HB on that high pick and roll, the high screen, the the high DHO. Um, And I I thought he looked every bit the part of the player that we've seen the last five years in Sacramento. And it just really does tell me that it's not so much about Harrison as it is about the development of King and Murray, the development of De'Aaron Fox, the development of Kevin Herter. And, you know, at, at some point, you know, we'll look back at this and go, okay. He really wasn't he, – he was probably exactly what you needed. He's just a stabilizing force. He plays defense. He played really well on the defensive end, and he has a couple of games here. He's played really well on the defensive end. Um, but he also hits his shots when he when he gets them. And when you need him to go in and get a couple of buckets or when you need him to get a couple of assists, I thought he was one of the catalysts for the the ball movement. And, you know, the Kings moves the ball so incredibly well. But early on, it was him, and that that's kind of a surprise – because he's not a big assist guy. But to see him sit at six assists was pretty strong when he's averaging, what, 1.2 coming into that game?
3: Kings are cooking offensively. There's no doubt about it. But the conversation around them on the defensive end seems to have changed quite a bit. Is Especially, I mean, mainly amongst Kings fans, because Lord knows the people who write about the league aren't watching and paying attention. (laughs) Is that the catalyst to everything else we're seeing, what they're doing on the defensive end? I pointed to the Fox play last night where he dove on the ball and hit uh, – I can't remember who, but it hit them Domas in tra- – that's who I thought it was, to hit Domas in, in, in transition and got everyone running up the floor as he was still picking himself up off the ground. Is that a reach, or is defense really fueling what this team is doing?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's fully defense fueling because a lot of teams are shooting around 48%, 40, 50% against nah, the Kings. Numbers. Um, but I will say – That the way that they're rebounding on the defensive end, the way that they're finishing possessions, the way that they're getting deflections and steals is huge. So while they are allowing teams to shoot a pretty good percentage, they're also getting a lot of turnovers, and that's good. So uh, it's sort of a hidden stat that, you know, uh, when you turn the ball over, you don't take a shot. Uh, and so you you can have a high field goal percentage but lose by a bunch because you turn the ball over 20 times. Hmm. And, you know, we saw it against San Antonio where where they have 20 steals in that game. Um, it's yeah. either that game or the game before. The, the game, game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when you have... Tw- uh, that was against the Lakers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you have 20 steals against a team, that's insane. Like, that's, that's happened like a handful of times in the franchise's history. So, like, if you can get out there and be aggressive. So maybe it's not that they're just this lockdown team and maybe teams still have confidence in them. uh, You know, because a lot of defense can be like a self-fulfilling prophecy thing where teams come in knowing that you're a bad defensive team. So they all kind of get up for it and they all hit their shots where they normally wouldn't because they're just feeling that like they're going to have a big night. Um, And and so part of the, like maybe eventually the, 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 uh field goal percentage against will start to trickle down a little bit as they get more and more consistent with what they're doing.
3: Now they're the 85 Bears. <laughs> <85, laughs> 2,000 Ravens. Yeah, 89 Pistons here.
4: <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, what did you think about Keegan Murray the other day? Like, he, he kind of he struggled a little bit on Friday, and I think you're going to have these up-and-down games. But taking on the challenge of Garden Luca yesterday tried to get him in foul trouble but I like that Mike Brown kept him in the game you know didn't probably said something along the lines you're gonna have to learn how to play um and guard in foul trouble so go out there and don't foul out And he answered the answered the challenge he answered the bell so what is it more of the same that you're seeing from him or is there a little bit more a little bit extra that you see every game from him on both sides of the ball
0: no, I saw a little extra. I think that's what I, I said in my six quick thoughts, a little extra. Like, you saw him. Uh, I thought he was physical. I thought he was a presence. Then, you know, he missed a couple of three-point shots, started going at the rim. Uh, he's He hit the floater. You're like, hey, like what's going on here? He's starting to show the array of, of shots that he has. Mm. Like, look, he snuck his way to 17 points. I don't think anyone realized he had 17 points that yeah. game. What, like 17 points? and four or five rebounds mm-hmm. like he's building he's getting better all the time and you know it, it may not come mm-hmm. as like in one big giant oh my gosh look he's a 22 point per game score like it's going to be something that gradually happens where he just gets better and better and better at what he's doing and I, I will point to De'Aaron Fox where you know again is there that much difference between De'Aaron Fox this year and De'Aaron Fox last year I don't think so but he's got when you're that good, that little bit extra that you get better during an off-season can mean a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, like, incrementally, you know, Fox has taken this massive leap as a scorer, you know, and, and in most categories. Um, but it's really just being a slightly better version than the player he was last year. You know, if he can hit, again, if he can even remotely close to 40% on threes, or last year he not only, you know, was down around but 32 33, but he didn't even he started to not take threes because of that. Mm. You know, the fact that he's taking them, that he's, you know, he's that confident in what he's doing and that he's hitting them, that really does bode well for this team.
3: Man, if he got his free throw percentage up, he's 50 and 40 right now from the field and he's not, you know, and from three, he's not even approaching the 90, he's at 75%. Mm which is the one you just want him to be automatic. But to think that he could be flirting with that 50, 40, 90 is crazy.
0: The funny thing about the Kings is their three primary scorers um, this season so far have been Herter and Fox and Sabonis. None of those guys are great free throw shooters. Mm. And, you know, like Keegan's a good free throw shooter and and Barnes is a good free throw shooter, although I don't even think Keegan's hitting that well this year. Um, They're just not a good free throw shooting team. And I, I don't know why that is. They're 27th right now in the league. As a team, they're only shooting 73% from the field. And that's, yeah, oh, that's, not that's not yeah, great. That's not great at all. I need-
3: Delmas's uh, field goal percentage uh, is 63.4, his free throw percentage <laughs> is 63.3. Oh,
0: man. Uh, See, and Keegan did pick it up. And actually, Kevin Herter's been really good this month, uh, this year so far.
4: Kevin Herter's gotten be- so. uh, better over the last, he had a first like rough first half of a season from the line last year, and he got better as time went along. Uh, But all those guys, if I can see this team, I know you got your big man shooting free throws and things of that, but I I need to see them 80% as a team. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's crazy that these little things um, are are coming out. Like Will Z talked about how they're still like 20th or something and three-point percentage or whatever. Like all these numbers, the free throw percentage, Yet they're putting up 129, 132. <laughs> like it, it, it sounds crazy, but it feels like they can reasonably improve on the offensive end as a team.
0: Like it's not even
4: uh, saying anything oh yeah. crazy. Like me saying shoot as a team 80 percent from the free throw line. That's not like asking them to shoot 95 percent. That's just 80 mm-hmm. percent. That's another maybe a point and a half a, a game
0: for them. Yeah, I would say, like, over the last six games when, you know, the Kings have been rolling, their offensive rating is up to 120.3, which is a little bit above where it was last year. Their defensive rating is down to 110. So their net rating in this six-game win streak is a plus 10.1. Like, they have been really incredible. But even during that stretch, their pace still hasn't come all the way back up. So they're at 100.91. That game last night where they, you know, they put up a bunch of points it was barely over a hundred mm. and so like what we're seeing and i'm not even sure if it was a hundred um we're seeing them you know they're getting better at these aspects of the game on the offensive end yeah, their pace last night was 97.5 but their offensive rating was 134.4 mm. like you can't compete with a team that's that it's like a finely oiled machine at that point mm. and you know, again, I think Herter means about as much to pace for this team as as uh, De'Aaron Fox does. Like his ability to play with pace in the half court set is tremendous. And he really does amp up the speed the game plays at in the half court. And not having him there, I think that's probably where we got a little bit of the let off. But it doesn't matter when you, you know, club in a team.
3: What do you think about this game against the
0: Pelicans tonight? I think it's tough because it's the first back-to-back they've had on the season. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a full strength. You got some guys that are beat up. Um, you know, just the way the week plays out too, where you have a game on Monday, you have a game on Wednesday, you have a, you have a game on Friday. There isn't like a big bunch of time to catch your breath, especially with a holiday tucked in there. So, like, I, I don't like, I don't believe in like trap games, but this is a game that's just going to be tough to get. You're, you know, we saw what Dallas looked like last night on the second night of a back-to-back, the Kings just kept pushing and pushing and yeah. pushing, and they couldn't keep up eventually, and they faded. Um, this is a game where I could see the Kings maybe have the same problem, uh, but you know, I, Mike Brown usually had his team ready to play in the second night of back-to-backs last year. I think it's just weird that we're now, this is game 13 of the season, and it's the first back-to-back they've had. Mm. And I can already remember like three or four games where the Kings were playing another team on the second night of a back-to-back, which tells me that either the schedule is going to flip on this team at some point, and they're going to have a lot more of these uh, back-to-backs that are tough, or the league said, "Hey, the Kings are going to be good this season. Let's give them a good schedule and not give them a bunch of. Uh, let's give them as many of these back-to-backs as uh, you know, playing on the back, the second night of a back-to-back, as they will get to play somebody else on the second night of a back-to-back."
4: NBA darlings, Sacramento
3: Kings.
0: Yeah. Do
3: you know what there is? This
0: is a dumb question that don't
3: have really anything to do with anything. Like they play the Pelicans tonight. They play the Pelicans on Wednesday. Do you know what they're doing Thursday? Are they staying in New Orleans? Are they going to Minnesota? Like what are they going to do?
0: Yeah, I'm going to guess because of air travel and all that craziness that they'll probably fly out of New Orleans and and head to uh, Minnesota for on Thursday. Mm. And figure out some spot to be at uh, all day on Thursday, and and uh, it's always possible that they do stay another night in New Orleans mm-hmm. and then fly out, uh, fly out Thursday evening. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if they did that, but I haven't asked. Uh, New Orleans is usually a pretty fun place to hang out, and mm-hmm. so I could see them hanging out one more, uh, well, a couple of nights there. Uh, we'll get to see what they look like on Wednesday if if they had a little too much fun on. On Tuesday night,
3: probably like deep fried stuffing or something <laughs> like that in New Orleans, or you know something Cajun delicious. chicken. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not healthy mm. for you, no. but delicious. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's amazing. I'm sure, it's absolutely <laughs> everything. Amazing.
0: Yeah, everything there is amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah. Perfect, crisp on the outside, but it's like just a juicy mm. slice of. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine what. I feel like a Thanksgiving in New Orleans probably has some twist on it that we're just not familiar oh, with. Oh, look at that cup. New Orleans cup. My New Orleans oh, cup. Who are you rooting for tonight? <laughs> wow. Whose side is he on? Wow. What the
4: hell is going
3: on? A heel turn. I love New Orleans. Just I love the, New Orleans. Just clip this. Look at look at this guy. What are you doing with him? Wow. <laughs> yeah,
4: but whose side
3: is he on? This guy, James Ham. Right at the end of the show, a steel chair to the back of Sacramento Kings fans.: There it is.
0: Nola we Ham. Need to Talk about JaVale. <laughs> uh,
3: I, I purposely did not give you the opening to talk about Javelle McGee today. You got 30 seconds. You want to fire it off? Go ahead.
0: It wasn't it wasn't the tech. It wasn't that. It was that play where he grabbed a rebound. I we, one of my and he just, we all know what play it was. one of my favorites. We
3: all know what play it, it was. What you
0: everyone, talking about? In, everyone in Sacramento is like, no, that, no, that, that,
3: that in, pass some, the ball, no, in some ball. Cir- no. <laughs> no! <laughs> in some circles, we call that the James Ham play. We knew that. <laughs> oh, that's the one Ham's going to be talking. Here about it tomorrow, comes. Right here there. it
0: comes. Like. What is he doing? Like, look, you're going to have to live with JaVale McGee right now because it's all you got. He has to understand that. He has to understand that if something happens, that, like, Philip Petrushev is your backup behind him. And uh, that's, like, there's no Trey Lyles. There is no Alex Maybe we'll get
3: one more of those tonight, and then he'll settle down.
4: Javel,
0: Javel, he's going to give us seven
4: points. We got to go.
3: Make sure you're tapped in tomorrow morning, beginning at 10 a.m. with James Hamm and Kyle Matson on The Insiders. And we'll see you tomorrow here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. We're headed out to Monday Night Football. Vamos Kings like the beam.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.